Pacifica Radio Network and KBOO in Portland, Oregon. I'm John Shuck. This is Progressive Spirit. ProgressiveSpirit.net. At Progressive Spirit, we explore the intersection of social justice and spirituality. We're definitely undergoing what they were describing a major reformation. I think where people have made the mistake is assuming that if you change the church and make it cooler with the candles, you know, people will come. If you know, if you build a better church, they're not going to come. But if you give experience where people can connect to themselves at their authentic core and be who they want to be, that seems to be where the spirit is moving. And it may be in a church, but more than often, it's not. Becky Garrison returns to Progressive Spirit to talk about alternative spiritual communities. Becky's writing credits include work for the Washington Post's On Faith column, The Guardian, Believe Out Loud, Killing the Buddha, American Atheist Magazine, Perceptive Travel, The Revealer, The Humanist, Religion Dispatches, and the now defunct Wittenberg Door. Welcome, Becky, to Progressive Spirit. Thank you for having me. This past May, you wrote an article called The Rise of the Party of the Nuns for the Humanist Magazine, and you were responding to a Slate article by Ruth Graham that said the Christian left could uh, take on the mantle of the party of God, and, and you're, you're skeptical of that. Oh, there's no question. I mean, they've been trying since 2005 when Jim Wallace's book God's Politics came out to establish what they would call a progressive politics and it just hasn't really caught fire. The Christian left is mainline and fractured. They don't really have the, ca- the capital, the sway, the numbers, I think, to really m- move people. And the evangelicals, conversely, have blown whatever capital they might have had by endorsing Trump. This is something, this has happened in this election. Meanwhile, the largest group that's been emerging as a religious base has been the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, not the Catholic variety. And yet no one is really speaking or addressing to this growing need. And, and that's both politically and religiously. Uh, politically, no one uh, seems to be courting them in the election cycle. Not at all. And I think that the church seems to be kind of invested in wanting to preserve its own self. But with the death that we've been noting of capitalism, there goes the death of white Christian America to title a recent book that came out. I think you're going to start seeing a lot more of these books. People are going to start predicting, it's over, the game is gone, it's up. And then you're going to find the counterbalance from the Christian industrial complex. Here's the books that will save the church. And meanwhile, this conversation is happening in a white noise environment where people have just moved on. Over half of Americans are now raised with no religion. One in three young even adults now call their religion none. But yet, they're not turning toward necessarily an ardent, strident form of, you know, political anti-religion. They're just wanting to be left alone to do what they want to do and believe what they want to believe. It isn't necessarily that they're anti-religion. Some atheists may be, Mm -hmm. um, but this group, uh, certainly a wide variety, can't generalize it too much, but there's a distrust of perhaps the institution and its rules and its regulations, and it just doesn't it's just not interesting. It's kind of like the odd fellows. Yeah, and you, that's what you saw with Bernie Sanders. He was our first secular Jew who ran openly secular Jew. I take that back. There might there probably have been others, but he's the first one that made that part of his platform. And his campaign really caught on with people that are dissatisfied with political institutions and religious institutions. And you're seeing a crumbling of this. We know that capitalism 
doesn't really work for 98% of us and possibly even 99% of right. us. So Works the for 1%, though. <laughs> so the question is, what does work? And it, that's where you're finding people are finding creative and interesting solutions, and they're finding it outside of church. Becky Garrison is my guest. Uh, she's the author of a number of books, including Love Always, Partners of Trans People on Intimacy, Roger Williams' Little Book of Virtues, which we talked about uh, actually a couple of years ago on this program, Ancient Future Disciples, Meeting Jesus and Mission-Shaped Ministries. And what we're talking, what I want to go to next is alternative communities. What, who, what are the nuns uh, finding, and what are some places that are, are offering spirituality? Or, or what is it? Well, first of all, what is it um, that is being sought, that people still need? Well, I think that people do want to have a heart-to-heart connection. They want to connect with community. If you don't have security in your job, if you're not sure about your relationship with your family, you're disconnected from your family, not living there, you're moving, where do we find a way to make and create community that can give your life meaning? We used to find that through the church. People are still now seeking to build that kind of community that connects at the heart-to-heart level. And at one point, I think one of the things the church had going for it was when you would come into a church and be loved and have what we call a conversion experience, you would feel this sense of, oh, wow, I really belong. This is it. You think it's a divine inspiration. Well, the advances of neurobiology have shown that what you're experiencing is compassion. When people care about you, love you, and accept you just as you are, you can relax and be yourself. And when you can truly be yourself, and find people where you can truly be present, that's where real community forms. And one of the values is not to have to be kind of boxed into a lot of beliefs. Like you say, that experience doesn't have to be understood in a supernatural framework. And so there's there's freedom to search on their own for what is real and what's authentic. Oh, definitely. And you can really find it, especially here, I would say, in the Pacific Northwest. I started moving here because... I wanted to get away from the Christian industrial complex of the New York City publishing empire, the academic focus on the Boston whole Easter Coast belief, and just come out and just be. Really connect with nature, really connect with other spiritual seekers. There's this very strong Celtic strain here that really you can pick up on it, and it's not Religious, I mean, it's not tied to an institution. This is definitely, I would say, the capital of the nuns, where a lot of this was originated. But it's a place where, as a writer, as a person, you can just be and create as you wish to create and find other like-minded souls that are doing similar things. And I have not found this kind of a spirit anywhere else in the country. Yeah, and they said Portland is uh, the most one of the most secular cities in the United States. But you talk about this, this Celtic thing. What is that? Well, for me, this is a thinking, what they call a thin line, okay. where you're connecting this world to the next. And it had a very strong roots in the paganism and the Christianity when it was forming the Celtics. And because the in Ireland, the Celts were so remote, they were pretty much left alone to kind of develop their own spirituality away from the institutional church as was developing. And in the Pacific Northwest, you find something very similar. People pretty much left the Pacific Northwest alone. It didn't have the pull of, you know, the finances you might find in New York. It didn't have the Ivy League cachet. It wasn't part of the Madison Avenue 
publishing kind of media political empire. So it just went and flourished on its own. And from there, you can find a number of examples where people are finding community in secular settings. Yeah, well, let's talk about a couple of those. What did you find? Well, the, one of the ones I found was Karen Ward. Now, she's a reverend, an Episcopal priest, but she's also in her church in North Portland. She's founded a group called Portland Abbey Arts. And through here, she offers secular programming. People who come to these programs have an experience enjoying and appreciating the arts, but they, there's not necessarily a religion tag put along with this. They enjoy the experience in and of itself. She started this up in Seattle through Fremont Abbey Arts and has continued that vibe here in Portland. For example, you get this program like The Round I've been trying to get you to go to, where you get three musicians, a slam poet, and a visual artist come together once a month to create a unique artistic experience that for many people, myself included, feels more spiritual than any church service I've been to. Now, talk about the round, then. Is this something that you watch, or is there a sense in which you participate in? Well, you're watching it as it's being created, but if you had, but it has a feeling that you are part of the audience. By being in the audience, I feel that I'm kind of participating by watching and absorbing what I'm absorbing. And they're not just doing a kind of a canned performance, necessarily. No, the, the, and because there's different people up there. Uh-huh. They, they may have a song they wanted to perform, but there's something about hearing three different musicians, many of whom have never met, a slam poet who's never met, and then a visual artist paints what they are experiencing from there. And we as an audience absorb and take all that in. Karen Ward is an Episcopal priest, so she's got one foot in the traditional church and then yet another one out uh in the community offering an alternative vision. And it's also a very important note that a lot of the programs they're doing here, they are, they're not necessarily a religious emperor. It's not This is not vacation Bible school. This is not like you have to participate, you know, here's your little faith thing, here's the faith spiel. This series is completely loving and valid in and of itself. And I'm finding other things, like my um, improv teacher, Gary Austin, who now comes to Seattle, through him, we're having a community that's being formed through improv. We don't do the improv games per se, but he's been working with him. I started working with him in 1996 when I was in New York City. And he's just moved out to Seattle. And I'm noticing that in the Seattle group, they're starting to form a community. If you were forming among fellow truth seekers, we support each other when they want to do different performances based on the work that we're doing. And we're all getting together to try to seek out and explore our authentic truth. And that's what Gary helps us to do. He founded the Groundlings. And this is back in the day he was telling me that in the 60s and early 70s, there was a community feeling of wanting to create something magical, something unique, similar to the round where the audience would participate and share in this truth-telling. Now, since then, it's gotten all commercialized and become like a vehicle for Saturday Night Live and different you know, comedy venues. But Gary is now returning it back to the core of what it used to be back in the 60s. And it's really exciting to see this emerge. Becky Garrison is my guest on Progressive Spirit. If you were just joining us, she's a religion writer. The spiritual part of that, if that's mm-hmm. a secular church, what what is the phrase that we're using? I would say secular church in some ways because in many ways these communities are filling a lot of the roles that a church used to fulfill. It's, it's providing a place for community, a place where you can find meaning-making. 
and it doesn't necessarily have to have a divine connection to it. With Gary Austin, for example, he has been, you know, recovering from cancer, and the way we are all kind of forming a community around him has been really amazing and beautiful. And just watching, as we're all searching for our own meaning-making through improv, you wouldn't have thought of that as being a religious experience. And I wouldn't call it that, but I would call it a spiritual experience. When I'm connecting to the core of myself, connecting who I am. And another example that I found was when Troy Conrad and founded Setlist, and I saw him do this in Portland and in San Francisco. This is where comics are going on stage with no, nothing prepared, none of the prepared package stuff they've been doing. They're given their topics right then and there, and then as the audience watches them, they get into their truth by speaking through improv, which is basically, if you, at the core of it, improv is speaking your truth when you get in touch with your body and you begin to just say, this is who you are, and something magical happens. The real you comes out. Now, all your training that you've, I've done in improv, the training you've done in stand-up, it adds to that your ability to tap into that truth. But it's really so simple. It's just being quiet, getting in touch with yourself, letting the truth come out, and then the audience and you have this experience where we're all connecting truth to truth. And I think when you get to that core, that's where community can be built and happen. And you can't think it through. No. You can't plan it out. It just has to come from, from, from what's there. So, and it makes you vulnerable, too. There's risk in that, isn't there? Oh, without, without a question. And then you're also seeing it here, another area where I was finding this similar connection. This is getting into connecting to our sexual beings and ourselves, a topic the church still has a lot of issues when it comes to dealing with this. For example, we have an ecstatic dance community here that's very strong. And through there, people dance similar to what you might see in a charismatic service. You, you dance through your bodies. You don't speak. And through your bodies, through your motions, you connect heart to heart, soul to soul. You know, and, and I met these, I got connected to ecstatic dance by meeting people from the sex positive Portland community. This now becomes sex positive world. And they're now exploring ways of how do you bring about the conversation of sexuality for people who want to embrace their entire sexual being, whoever they are, exploring alternative forms of sexuality. Who's to say that a polyamorous community is cannot be just as caring and loving as what we call their traditional family? And with over, what is it, over half of a marriage is end in divorce? Clearly, whatever the church has been spousing is the traditional American family that we know has only been in existence really since World War II, if you want to look at it. this historically, it's not working. So what is working? And this is one of the groups, Sex Positive World, that is leading the conversation for what does it mean to be truly authentic sexual beings? Rather than being told who you are or what you are to be or, or, or all of those kinds of things with authority figures, it's really uh, you're, you are your authority. Yes, and but... But you're also doing it through a community, so you're not just becoming a narcissistic, a little dictator. You have a community that helps shape you and mold you, and to me, holds you accountable. Otherwise, you could very easily go off on the rails, and you do need the community support to make sure, am I just really feeling this? Is this really of the spirit, or am I just experiencing something that I want to experience? You found some communities that are uh, connected with food and sustainability. Uh, one of them is the the Orchard Kitchen. Oh yeah, this was a group when I was in Whidbey Island that was really surprising because I'd been looking at 
you know, as a travel writer, you get invited to food festivals and beer festivals, and it's been quite enjoyable to experience the craft movement here in Portland. But with Orchard Kitchen, I begin to see there's a different level to this. It's not just enjoying nice quality food, great craft beer, and occasionally a fundraiser where a little bit of money might be given to charity, but a whole rethinking of this. Now, in the Orchard Kitchen, for example, it's a sustainable farm. They bring together people together to have these dinners. They offer cooking classes. And through this, people discover, by sitting at a dinner table, family style, connections they didn't know they had before. You know, people are discovering they might come to Whidbey Island and have a meal, discover the person sitting next to them is someone they knew from another context. Well, yeah, there's another one, uh, Copper Works Distilling. Oh, yeah. When I met this gentleman, um, Jason Parker, he um, was quite a character. First of all, he started his job working at Pike's Brewing. Pike's Brewing was founded by Charles Finkel, who is one of the, you know, major figures in bringing about the craft beer movement here. He's also created in Pike's Pub a way to create community by the way he's, he set up the layout. He's done things like renovate a little park near his pub where people who are homeless and low income can come and get a bit of respite. So it's not just brewing craft beer. It's creating an environment that's very conducive. And he also told me about a whiskey community that was being formed, a collective. These guys found through the Whiskey Collective a way to establish community. They now travel with these people. They have dinners together. They text each other. So Jason was telling me that about this collective. I'm like, wow, this is more than just getting together to sample spirits. It's creating a craft culture. And, and Jason, Charles, and another woman named Patty at Fremont Mischief were telling me how these people are now getting together to help the Skagit Valley farmers by producing a malt to make their whiskeys and beers that have that has not been seen in the area for over a hundred years and yet how do you keep the sustainable small farmers going another issue which is why Skagit Valley and in here in Oregon the Willamette Valley won't become just another condo complex another high-end farming kind of like environment that you can enjoy it's going to continue to be a sustainable small family farm what I'm describing to you, doesn't this sound to you a little bit like dinner church? Mm-hmm. Sounds a little bit to me like outreach programs. Sounds a little bit, you know, like a lot of what I've been seeing churches do. And I'm not discounting the work that churches do and continue to do. I'm just saying a lot of people have been finding this experience well outside of their traditional Christian model. And while you might, while we might be calling them secular church, they themselves who participate probably wouldn't go with the church word. No, I wouldn't go with the church word. The reason I'm liking to use that word is, to me, it's basically ecclesia. It's a gathering of the people. And who's to say that just because a certain denomination has become institutionalized and crumbling, that that word ecclesia does not still have a value of a gathering of a people for the common good? Becky Garrison is my guest. If you're just joining us on Progressive Spirit, we're talking about alternative communities. One of the communities is Prism House PDX. Oh, yeah. So that's another organization that I've been noticing here in the Pacific Northwest. We happen to be two of the three states that have legalized recreational cannabis. And what you've been finding, and you, you notice this when I covered HempFest in Seattle, when I've you know been looking into different cannabis events here in Oregon, is it's moving beyond just, here's a chance for us to have weed and get stoned. 
There's a medical component, a health and wellness component, a way to build community around people that want to partake of this product recreationally. And Prism House has been one of the organizations that I've been meeting. It's a private event space led by a woman named Samantha as far as just creating a community and celebrating people that want to enjoy the multiple benefits of this plant. And in particular, I'm very excited to look at how the health and wellness component here. There's been a very long tradition here of working with people who are medical marijuana patients. And as this moves into a larger recreational sphere, a desire to help people. How does this plant help people? How do we help people who have been imprisoned because of their desire to help people with this plant? And we're finding when you go to Hemp Fest, for example, you don't find nearly, there's 100,000 people there. You don't find nearly, let's say, any kind of public drunkenness that you might find at a music festival or a, you know, other type of festival of that nature. But, but there's something that unique that's happening around the community that's forming in celebration of what this plant can do. What about outside of the Pacific Northwest? Even the Bible Belt, we might think. I came from Tennessee, and, and there are certainly alternative groups there. The nuns are much there as, as anywhere. Oh, I, th I think there are. And there was a report I read called How We Gather that came out that collectively identified 10 of these communities, including CrossFit, which got an art, a review by New York Times. And I think there is a ballot of communities rising the reason I'm focusing on the Pacific Northwest, there's something about the connection to the soil, the spirituality, and the way these communities are being formed that I think is a model that's worth really looking at more in depth. This is a, different than just joining CrossFit and discovering, oh, wow, there's a mutual group of people here that I like that I can be communities with. There's something happening in the whole ethos here that to me is a very exciting learning lab. Yeah, an exciting learning lab. That's uh, that's Portland and Seattle. I'm speaking with Becky Garrison. We're talking about alternative communities. Now, uh, could there be some risks with these alternative communities? Well, as any movement grows, there's always the potential for it to be commercialization. There's always that temptation to get on the author-speaker circuit to be the next big thing. As similar to the clergy scandals we cover with the door, there's always the potential for abuse. I've met my fair share of mindful practitioners, therapists, and the like who in some ways dis display varying degrees of predatory or not very safe behaviors. That's going to happen. We're human. And, and sometimes in my quest to be excited about a community, this is so exciting. This is going to be formed. I can be too quick to endorse an adventure without doing due diligence. I am learning from the mistake I made when I got very excited about emerging church. I thought this was going to be the next big thing that I didn't quite research and I realized is still controlled by white men. What's interesting with this movement I mentioned to you that's giving me hope is this is much more gender balanced. Because it's, we're in the Pacific Northwest, there does need to be more racial diversity. Karen Ward is the only person of color that I've mentioned. But yet there is hope and that this is what's giving me the hope is that as I'm seeing this movement develop, it's already avoiding some of the you know, problems that I've seen in the church. It's being more embracing of different people, regardless of their, you know, class, their race, their gender identity, sexual orientation, and other factors that I've seen in similar movements like the emergent church that continue to be a male-dominated movement. This isn't. And I think that's going to be very exciting to see what happens when this full diversity is allowed to continue exploring. And the Pacific Northwest is the perfect place for this because here 
you can be a spiritual being and explore the beauty and the connectedness to nature without having to necessarily go to a church. <laughs> right. And draw from other religious and spiritual and wisdom traditions as well. And people definitely do that here. They draw from what speaks to their heart and their authenticity. And as you're making those connections, you can make them however they happen. They can happen around a table, like Orchard Kitchen, an event space, Prism House PDX, through improv with set list and, you know, my improv teacher, Gary Austin, can happen through the round with arts and music, sex and spirituality, ecstatic dance, sex positive Portland. However you encounter it and experience that which is beyond yourself and make these connections where you can just be your true and authentic self, that's fantastic. Becky Garrison has been my guest on Progressive Spirit. Uh, alternative spiritual communities, alternative secular church, whatever we call it, finding ourselves, we're finding that uh, religion and spirituality is, is undergoing a great change. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, it might be a very, very good thing. It is what it is. We're, we're definitely undergoing what they were describing a major reformation. I think where people have made the mistake is assuming that if you change the church— and make it cooler with the candles, you know, people will come. If you know, if you build a better church, they're not going to come. But if you give experience where people can connect to themselves at their authentic core and be who they want to be, that seems to be where the spirit is moving. And it may be in a church, but more than often, it's not. Becky Garrison, thank you for being with me. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Progressive Spirit. Find more about the show and links to podcasts at ProgressiveSpirit.net. Progressive Spirit is on the Pacifica Radio Network and is produced at KVOO in Portland. I'm John Schuck. Be welcome.